Hello, and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the weekly podcast that revisits, reviews, and ridicules some of the world's weirdest animated series. Coming to you from Midtown Prep School, I'll be your headmaster, Dave Trumbor. Joining me as always, my co-ghost, Sean Paul Ellis. How's it going, Sean? David, 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 I'm doing well. How about yourself? I gotta say, you sound like Paul Bearer right now. For all our wrestling fans <laughs> out there, you sound, you sound like Paul Bearer. I'm here with The Undertaker. That's, that's the best. I wish we were talking about wrestling tonight. We are not. <laughs> we At the end of the show, though, it's gonna feel like we've both been chokeslammed. <laughs> yeah, just out of commission. Uh, spoiler alert, we're getting into our uh, Monster Month here in October. Halloween special is coming up. Monster Madness Month. So expect a lot more terrible accents like that as we get into some of this stuff. Hopefully we'll be talking about some of you guys' favorite spooky cartoons from over the years. Uh, For tonight, we're going to kick things off with one that Sean is familiar with, but I myself am not. We're talking about Gravedale High. So how did we get into this one, buddy? Well, you know, I was sort of reeling off of the disappointment that we had from last October with certain cartoons that we watched during that time, which in retrospect, I wish that we had implemented the dip during that time. There were some, there were some cartoons. I'm not going to name grooving ghoulies that I wish that we could have easily given the dip to, um, that felt as if they were insulting our intelligence, uh, because they were lazy. And so I, I kind of, looked at what we had that was available this year uh, and what I remember watching. Yeah. And I don't know why, but I, I, for as short-lived as this show actually was, I distinctly remember watching this because I, I remember the theme song even before playing it, okay. the sort of the chorus section of it. And I remembered that sort of we had, uh, like a, a, we had an actor that was recognizable from, from some movies at that point that was attached to this show. And so... For some reason, those two points alone stuck out in my head, and the fact that it was October, I was like, "Let's <laughs> let's get into some of this craziness." Look, and even the fact that this particular episode featured like a musical interlude, it was nowhere near as painful as the <laughs> as the one last year. I don't think we've watched a cartoon that felt so much longer than it was than Groovy Goalies. Uh, I mean, Ace Ventura at the time. It was close, man, but Groovy Goalies was just like, how much longer can this thing possibly be? Uh, but luckily, not tonight. Uh, as far as as far as I'm concerned, not tonight. This one had a pretty decent pace to it. It was okay. It's no groovy goal. Yeah. But it is Gravedale High. Thank, thank God, thank David. God. And if you're not familiar no. with the show, Sean is going to give you a little bit of a rundown on the history of Gravedale High. So Gravedale High, also known as Rick Moranis in Gravedale High, <laughs> is an animated series. Let's just everybody. Let's let that. Let's let that sink in. Yeah. Rick Moranis in Gravedale High is an animated series produced by Hanna-Barbera for NBC Productions. The latter company owns all the rights to the series. The series premiered in the fall of 1999 on NBC and lasted a total of 13 episodes. It's a good unlucky number, though, so got that going for it. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for something that would have been a lucky number that you could have ended on for a monster show? Yeah. About voodoo and witches and ghosts and zombies. Perfect number, guys. Yeah, good job. The show was developed as an animated vehicle for Moranis, who had 
star appearances in Ghostbusters movies and the film series Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It was created by, and get this, David Kirshner of Pirates of Dark Water and An American Tale and Chucky fame. I, I would love to get this guy on the show at some point. So if anyone out there listening knows David Kirshner, has any contacts for him, or would like to uh, extend our warm welcome to this show, I'd love to talk to this guy. He's not only created and had a hand in some of our like favorite cartoons from growing up, but uh, is still active to this day. I think he's working on Curious George right now. So the right. guy's still active. He has like a, a ton of credits in um, animation history. Um, so yeah, we'd love to have him on the show. Maybe not to talk Gravedale High, but this was, I think, his first like cartoon that actually uh, took off. He had a pilot that did not get picked up earlier uh, in 1990, same year. But uh, this one, this one took off at least for one season. So that's a start. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, not I bad. mean, and you know, you, you think of all these these cartoons that we have. Like, it actually had a real life actor's name attached to it. <laughs> right. And and let let's be honest. Like 1990, Rick Moranis was at the top of his game. Yeah. You know. I mean, obviously, as an actor, like, he had some personal stuff that happened afterwards, right. uh, you know, and, and, but I mean, to have him at that point, like, that was sort of the, like, close to the pinnacle of his career in terms of what he was doing, and so he is a man who has children, and what a better way to kind of connect with your kids than have a cartoon that has you in that cartoon so that they're able to view and watch you. Yeah. And once, I think that's kind of nice. It's, it's pretty cool, and once we get into, like, the cartoon, we'll determine whether or not he's actually a decent teacher or not which we're about to talk about <laughs> uh, but if you guys don't know what the show's about i'm gonna let you know so here's your synopsis for gravedale high the show revolves around the misadventures of human teacher max schneider aka rick moranis who has unwittingly taking a job at gravedale high a school for monsters near the city of midtown schneider the only human in the school presides over a group of ghoulish teenagers that are the latest generation versions of classic movie monsters who are either disruptive, uninterested, and or unduly self-preoccupied in school. The class is generally considered disreputable, if not uncontrollable. So we've basically got like a human teacher teaching a class of monsters who do not want to be there. Basically, that's basically your synopsis for the entire series right there. Which I'm, I'm a little bit confused about because it's, it's, if we're looking at the title of the show, yeah. it's Rick Moranis in Gravedale High, but <laughs> yeah. then Rick Moranis' character is Max Schneider. Right. Why didn't they just keep Rick Moranis as the titular character? That's, that's the 90s star power that I want to like bring this show through to get it another 13 episodes. I don't want it to go a half season. I want a full season of this. That's right. We want syndication. We want syndication. But we didn't get it. Which is kind of odd. I mean, if you think about it, this is just like a, a basic straight up premise, just like human teacher, monsters that are recognizable and very silly. And the voice cast, which we'll talk about in a second, is like spectacular, sometimes surprisingly so for 1990. Right. Um, and I don't know why this didn't do better. I don't know if it was just marketing or kids just didn't want to watch monster stuff year round. I don't know, because it seemed the episode we watched was OK, but the premise seemed like easily ripe for, for more uh, experimentation and future stories. I don't know why this one kind right. of dried up. But you want to get into it now? You want to start talking about the theme song? Oh, let's do it. It might be the most memorable part of the show, other than Rick Moranis. What do you think? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm going to agree to disagree with you on okay, that. Okay, fair, fair. Because I, I felt that Rick Moranis, sadly, in this, this episode was, was uh, kind of a, a, a side note. Like, he really did not take any... He really didn't take any spotlight in terms of what was going on in this show. It was really kind of left up 
to the monsters themselves, which right. I think having a lot of those re- classic remakes of some of these universal monsters is sort of what the draw is for kids. Okay. You know, it's, I mean, I, I would think so. You know, everybody wants to, to dress up in, you know, it, October. Halloween. You want to dress up like some of these classic monsters. Like these, there's a reason that these things have been around for as long as they have. Yeah. Like they're they're fantastic. They're great stories based somewhere in lore and they have kind of, you know, permeated society and they've been around forever. And so you they're ingrained in our culture when it comes to this month. And so, you know, I, I would think that those would be the bigger draw than say like for children as opposed to like Rick Moranis because he doesn't really look like Rick Moranis that we would have known in the cart like in the live action movies in Ghostbusters but he is voicing his character which was pretty cool it wasn't just like he is it wasn't just like hey here's a Jim Carrey character not voiced by Jim Carrey uh right i.e those two cartoons that we talked about previously but this was actually Rick Moranis playing another character yeah right and so you know, but I think for like a child watching it, they would have looked at it and said like, I don't, I don't really know who this, this kind of goofy looking nerd teacher is. <laughs> but for everybody else like us, you know, who, who understand that it's Rick Moranis, we're just like, oh, the voice is immediately recognizable. Right. But 10 year old me and maybe seven, eight year old you would have been like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't want to watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids again. Oh, I know who that is. I know that Rick Moranis, <laughs> but this Rick Moranis, this is not my Rick Moranis. No, it's not. Um, but he does, so, he does make himself quite uh, apparent in the theme song, at least. Yes. Maybe not you. in the rest of the show, it, but like in the theme song, he definitely shines through, for better or worse. So the theme song itself yeah. is a really fun kind of meet and greet and introduction to a lot of these characters that they've revamped for, the ni- or for 1990. Right. And so it, it's... I thought it was well executed. I thought it was fun that they kind of tied Rick Moranis's character into the theme song yeah. in terms of what was happening. The chorus itself was immediately distinctive for me. And it was a little bit of an earworm because I've been singing it for most of the day. <laughs> I've been making up my own lyrics for it again, which I think is the true sign of a good earworm. But it, it's just kind of been something that, you know, nonstop kind of plays in, in the back of my head. And let's be honest. That falsetto, though, at the end, oh, killer. like it's it's great. It's killer, you know. We, we've it. had we've had a lot of '80s theme songs that sort of go in like the classic rock, uh, you know, genre where suddenly like there's a bunch of lights and it, it seems like you're at a Poison concert suddenly, <laughs> and then somebody's like, Nyeh! like on the mic, and you're like, why are you doing that? There's this, no reason. This to doesn't do make that. any sense. No, just screaming. It's but not even words. One, yeah. This one legitimately actually kind of feel earned. Well, they ended, they literally ended it on a high note. Yeah. Oh, uh, they did. And it was impressive. I was just like, it was good. I'll give you that. There's, there's only, if this thing only runs about a minute long total, there's like a five second section that is just like, but the rest of it is pretty cool. What would be that five second section? That would be the, because I think I know what it is. The aforementioned Rick Moranis, (laughs) who just kind of comes in and, Tries to sing, yeah, but doesn't do well, yeah. 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 He tries. So we have Rick this Moran Rick Moranis is not a line. singer, turns out. Def- definitely not a definitely singer. Not but a we singer. have this fun thing yeah. where he sort of is introducing everybody and he's leading a chorus outside of the school. Of like his of his kids, yeah. So he's like the teacher. The animation shows him as a teacher, kind of gathering all his kids, his monster kids together, and they're all singing this song. And 
honestly, the theme song is pretty decent. It's like you said, it's catchy. It helps that they just repeat the name of the title over and over again. It's kind of catchy. You don't quite catch all the words in there, but the, the tune of it is catchy. But then, yeah, he's he's kind of leading the band and then tries to sing along, and it's that's where it gets pretty bad. Yeah. So, you know, I, I want to say if, if it's just that, like, three to five seconds yeah. that's sort of the down point in the whole thing. Plus, you know, the crazy thing about this is that, you know, in terms of uh, the actual visuals that you are given for this, this theme song was animated just for this theme song. It is not recycled animation. Yeah, which I appreciate, actually. So what, which I enjoy, yeah. but you have to think that when they did it, they're just like, guys, we're clearly going past the 13 episode mark. <laughs> we should invest the money got this. in doing, doing a really sweet ass theme song. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they were like, wait, we're done at their, oh man, we have so much more. See, and that's such a weird thing with like Kirshner's productions is that some of them get like one season and they're done. Like Pirates of Darkwater will forever stick in my crawl as like a show that definitely deserves more episodes. And I'm not the only person yeah. that thinks that. But then there's things like An American Tale, which I absolutely love the first movie. The second one's still pretty good. But it had like five, maybe six total movies that I would never even knew about the other like three or four that came after it. Because they were all like direct right. to direct the home video. Kind of like the Land Before Time series, which is just like continuing on and on and on and on. Um, so it's kind of a weird career oh. that he's had like <clears throat> some strong successes and then some misses that should or should not have been. So just the way it goes, I guess. But we got 13 yeah. episodes of this series to enjoy with that theme song every single time. So, for better or worse. And we had, and the episode that we have yeah. tonight is episode 11 right. that is called Night of the Living Dad. Yeah, so if you hate puns, turn it off right now. It's actually, it's not too bad. This wasn't super pun heavy. Mm, not, as, not as bad as some shows, I'll say. It wasn't like cringeworthy yeah. with the puns. It was more like character-based. Right. Some of the characters were a little grating, or some of the character personality quirks and things like that were a little... You take it or leave it. I will say there was definitely a point with some of the... It has nothing to do with the voice acting. It has no. to do with the, the repetition of some of the characters' cadence. Man. And the way that they spoke. Man. That really began to kind of uh, wear on me towards the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... All in all, interesting, like an interesting kind of, uh, you know, stab at, at, at something that, you know, you know, we, we've seen this in, in terms of some of the other uh, shows that we watched, you know, that were kind of horror related um, that, you know, they, they they try to either teach a lesson like we watched Tales from the Crypt um, right. a while ago. And it was something where, you know, they kind of tried to teach a lesson or there was some type of a, a moral and it kind of was a little bit over the top in terms of how they they hit that button but in this one it kind of felt like it was more of like an acceptance yeah at least for this episode which was actually really surprisingly i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say sweet it was sweet it was sweet they they touch on sweetness and then get right away from it quickly enough so it doesn't become like saccharin but i also right. want you to have like your own moral or lesson in mind because i have my own written down so i need to oh do you yeah, really so i need you oh, to be no. thinking of that <laughs> Uh, but speaking of this particular episode, so we have a lot of these kind of universal monsters. And I don't mean universal in the sense of, like, everyone everywhere knows them. I mean, literally, the Universal Pictures Company, so or corporation right. or production company. So, you know, the, the werewolf, the Dracula, the creature from the Black Lagoon, the mummy, all those very uh, famous and infamous creatures. For the ones we're going to be talking about tonight, you've got to focus on just a few. So this story happens to focus on a critter named Frankentike. 
and he's voiced by Frank Welker, of course. Um, and he's just kind of like a small, pint-sized version of a Frankenstein's monster, but he also has a really weird Bart Simpson thing going on. And we should probably talk about that now, because it gets really irritating sure. <laughs> as the show goes on. Every single sentence is concluded with the word man. Yeah. Sort of, you know, Bart Simpson, you know, very early on in The Simpsons had that catchphrase, like, don't have a cow, man. Eat my shorts, and it just sounded like, yeah. Yeah, don't eat my shorts, man. And it just seemed like this was continuing to try to capitalize off something. Like, I really felt like they were thinking to themselves, Frank and Tyke is going to become like the titular character. Like, season two, this is going to be called Frank and Tyke's Gravedale exactly. High. Exactly. We're just going to. We're gonna get rid of Rick Moranis, get him out of Boot here. His ass out. And it's gonna, it's gonna be all uh, Tiny Frank all the time. Did not work out Oof. that way. <laughs> no. But it was, I don't know. It, it was. It felt very '90s because he was just like man all the time. And then there was another character who had a similar kind of just like delivery, but it was also just as much in this episode. And his name was Gil Waterman, who's kind of like a black lagoon <laughs> creature, but like. Creature of the Black Lagoon missed with like a surfer dude, so like super laid back and like really chill. But voiced by yeah. who? Oh my god, it's crazy. It's uh, Jackie Earl Haley. I mean, what? Yeah. When I read that, I, I was I like, don't... Jackie Earl Haley? And then I can't, I can't hear it. When I, when I listen to this guy, I cannot hear Jackie Earl Haley. I can't hear. It's very. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's surprising. Like going over this voice cast, you're just like, this this is this is fantastic like how is this not po- like poised yeah for like greatness oh i mean like maurice like, lamarche we have, and we have uh, ricky, yeah, some of the other we have ricky lake yeah talk about 90s when i saw ricky lake yeah. i was like holy crap it was like a straight flashback to the 90s and she plays a character named who uh, is it is it cleo uh fatra it's cleopatra because she's a fat mummy. which yeah. You can't get away with that these days, but 1990 Cleopatra is totally fine. Yeah. Oh boy. Like you you really like and and as you're getting introduced to all these characters, she is like she's she's not even I guess I guess maybe she's a little bit chubby. She's chubby for a mummy. She's chubby for, for a mummy, like a but thousand-year-old desiccated corpse. She's pretty yeah. she's pretty big. She's in great shape. Yeah, she's great. Doing real well. Just trying to lose some of that <laughs> that cloth weight. But I, I really feel like Cleo, like, who was in the room and was just like, what misogynist asshole was just like, look, she's a fat mummy, Cleopatra. What's the fucking talk about? And they're like, well, I guess it's lunch. I guess it's lunch. <laughs> Let's roll on. I'm just wondering if like Cleopatra came first because somebody thought that was funny and then Ricky Lake came after it or if Ricky Lake was attached and they were just like, oh, Cleopatra. Because no. either way, it's terrible. Welcome to the 90s. Yeah. Go look up Ricky Welcome Lake. Welcome to the 90s. Yeah. But honestly, that's, lot of... <laughs> that's pretty much it as far as like the characters who are featured in this episode. Um, but just to spotlight some of the other voice actors, like Frank Welker does a number of roles. Maurice LaMarche does a number of roles. We've also got Jonathan Winters, who I will always remember from uh, a few of the episodes of Mork and Mindy. I know that's what, yeah. not what most people know him from, but um, for whatever reason, he sticked out in my mind from that. We've also got Tim Curry um, voicing yeah. a, a role of another mummy as well. So. Mr. Tutner. Mr. Tutner. Some of these names are terrible. Uh, Chef Salmonella is pretty bad. Uh, uh, he's basically just like a lump of a monster who works as the uh, the head chef. Uh, 
making his is soup it, du jour. Is it any worse? Is it any worse than Coach Cadaver? Coach Cadaver's pretty bad. That's Jonathan Winters. Pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Gil Waterman. Yeah. We've also got, yeah. and we don't focus on on him much in this episode. We've got like the main kind of cool greaser vampire guys, Vinny Stoker. Right. So it's kind of a combination of like V for vampire names, and then Stoker, obviously Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like that. So, and he's supposed to be like a knockoff of the Fonz. Yeah. So he's like, if you took like the Fonz him. and then made him a vampire, Vinny Stoker. Hey, hey, I'm here to suck your blood. Hey. And then he, then just, he like hits a jukebox yeah, and just, it just <laughs> with his elbow and then, and then <laughs> floats away and bursts into ash when the sunlight hits him. But the only thing that I didn't like about this episode really was that uh, we didn't get a good sense of like the mythology of this place of the school of the monsters and how they all came together it was basically just like a regular school story it just happened to have monsters so it was almost like watching you know nightmare before christmas you just get thrown into this world where it's just populated by monsters or all real monsters where it's just it's a monstrous world you're thrown into it and everything to them is normal but for us it's just kind of a little weird but i I was okay with that and it's a great idea in terms of what they're doing because i mean they they have a lot to play with in terms of like monster and human relations. And they, I think they did a good job in the episode tonight in terms of uh, bridging that gap of saying like, you know, Hey, look, these, these people might be monsters, but they also have real feelings yeah, and like, that's problems. something that yeah. kind of, you know, real problems. And this is something that unites everybody. It's a common, it's a common problem. It's a common theme. You know, we can apply this to, to just about anything and we can make it relatable. Well, that's, that's just, yeah, it's a great jumping off point for this episode. Again, night of the living dad. It's the 11th episode in this 13 episode run uh so what's what's the issue in this one we've got basically a setup that there is a talent show that the kids are putting on so they're kind of practicing in the beginning we get to know some of the some of the characters from the outset but there's a conflict that comes up with one of the characters so what's what's the deal going on here well so what happens is we have uh we have max our our teacher uh who is bringing up the fact that they they have you know this this event they have this talent show and he wants to remind everybody relentlessly, relentlessly remind everybody that they need to invite their parents yeah. to attend. Yeah, they had to have like absolutely... permission slips, and they had to have it ahead of time, and they have to like come to rehearsals. Notarized. And... Yeah. Like, there's just a lot of stuff, and like, I, I, like, did you ever do a talent show when you were in school? Uh, I mean, we had them, but it wasn't like mandatory. I don't think I've ever done one. Yeah. No. I don't think I ever did one either. No. But I'm gonna venture to say that they didn't have somewhere in the ballpark of like over over a three-day period they didn't have five rehearsals and, like that. and I, nothing I feel like else. that was something that and no other class i feel like for I feel like for a talent show yeah. if you participated in one it was something where they might sound check you if you were like in a band or like you know if you needed like if it was your first time ever using like a microphone right. or something but they were like this is your talent you do this on your own fucking time yeah. and then you come and you wow us when you want to but don't take up school time. Like I really, it made me question <laughs> the education reform that is necessary for all monsters. Look, I pay my monster taxes like everybody else. I want to make sure my right. monster taxes are going to good monster education. I put my monster pants on like every other monster in the world. All my tentacles first, exactly. and then all of my multiple legs, and then all and your horns. Yeah, like. I'm, it's relatable. Right. Come on, guys. Like, it's one of those things that you think to yourself, like, what, you know, if this is such a school setting and this is, you know, obviously the focus is this talent show for this episode. Right. And so they're not going to delve too much into this. But 
There was there was not a single other scene no. that takes place in this entire 23 minute episode that was in one other classroom. It was always somebody either in a lab yep. or in the auditorium practicing getting ready for this or at a store. Oh, and we that need was to like talk the three main store too, yeah, yeah, we got to talk about this. Yeah. But that was like the three main locations that we had for the entire show was just like Oh, so we're in the auditorium. Yep. Well, let's go to the lab right now. Let's go to the store, back to the lab. Now we're in the auditorium, never in a back class, to the lab. Never auditorium. in home, never in a gym class, never just like in the hallway. Like I didn't see any more of the school than just like the, yeah, like you said, the auditorium. And we saw more of but the it's town like it, when we go to the body shop later on. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, but it, like the setup and, and, and everything is, is just very interesting to get into because, you know, you, you sort of want to know, you know, because of all these classic universal monsters, right. Like what their life is like, and I, the fun thing about this episode is that it it allows you to kind of get a little bit more into their specific world through the introduction of their parents. Right, which like, is one of the reasons that we wanted to watch this tonight was because it, it sort of broadened out the their world a little bit, so we wanted to check right. that out. But it was kind of a bait and switch because some of the parents are not exactly what you expect them to be. Uh, but before right. we get to that, because that's kind of a major plot point. So for this talent show, you've got ki- you've got kids like Sid, who's the invisible kid, doing this like episode long Elvis impression. Like he never breaks yeah. character, even when his parents eventually show up. He's always his Elvis. You got another guy named JP. He's doing kind of this magician shtick, but it doesn't really last very long. The main focus is on the rest of the kids who are all part of this band called Stage Fright, and Vinny is the leader of this band. <laughs> Gil, the uh, monster from the Black Lagoon, is playing drums. And then you've got Frankentike. That's is he on lead guitar? He's on bass. He's on. He's bass. on. No, he's on lead guitar. He was the because uh, the wolf. Oh, the wolf man on character bass. was the yeah. That's right. Uh, Reggie. Yeah. And then you've um, got Doozer, the, like the, the, the ginger werewolf. Ginger werewolf. Reggie. We do have ginger is, werewolf uh, on the bass. <laughs> and you have ginger werewolf. He's like nerdy ginger werewolf too, which is like yeah. kind of a double strike against it. But it was oddly enough, he was more Rick Moranis yeah. than Rick Moranis's character was for me. Which is weird. Bizarre. And also, why were the girls yeah. super bitchy in the show? I just want to question. I'm not 100% sure. They didn't really do any. They had no other lines. They were just super bitchy. Right. There was one that was like yeah. a Medusa, one that was a zombie, and then Cleopatra who just fell down and everybody laughed because she was fat. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, ladies. This is, we, not, this is not a progressive yeah, weird. show. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We're just, we wish, we wish that they had a little bit more of a... Just anything other than Cleopatra. <laughs> anything other than what was actually happening. I will, however, I, I, it was balanced by a Menudo reference. So I do have to give you that. I don't. That was such a weird thing because so weird. they get up and now, correct me if I'm wrong yeah. based on my limited. So this is something where Rick Moranis is introducing stage fright to the, the stage. Yeah, and they're he just like, goes, yes, yeah. it's Gravedale's hot. It's Gravedale's answer to Menudo. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that Menudo. Is five, uh, is five like younger kids from Central America who are just <laughs> singing. They're not playing any like maybe one of them plays an instrument, but they're like, they're they're a boy band. They're not also they're not, not showcasing not instrument monsters. talent. Not yeah. <laughs> also not monsters. An important distinction. <laughs> also to not make. monsters. Very important. Very important. Gravedale High's answer to Menudo. Yeah. That feels like such a dated reference too. Oh, super was, dated. Wasn't and very specific. Like, like, who in this day and age, except for us 30-somethings who, like, grew up in this very narrow time period, were like, oh, yeah, Menudo. What? Yeah. Rick Moranis? 
So I don't know. That just had to be like a hot band at the time, and they just happened to go with it. Terrible. Decision. There was like two seconds where when I thought Rick Moranis had said Menudo that it was going to be like a dead version of Menudo that like got like raised out of a coffin, uh, and I was like, well, I mean, it would have been cool if know, they, they like Menu- if they showed up and they sang a song. That would have been kind of cool. Ooh, at that point, eleven episodes in, and they were just like, guys. We really got to jazz up this show with a little bit of star <laughs> we really power. Need some we really got to get beyond this <laughs> this thirteen episode curse. We tried to get Wham, they bailed on us. We really need Menudo. Guys, we got uh, Night Ranger is going to be in episode fourteen. Mm-hmm. New so kids on the block. Are that we kick get off the new season, right? Right. <laughs> it's going to be great. Tiff- Tiffany is going to be on there. The California Raisins are doing their reunion tour <laughs> on this show. But it's but they want to be animated and drawn as dead California. Yeah, raisins. they're just like they're all withered and gray, and moldy. But that's like what a that's basically what a raisin is anyway. Eh, but that without the moldy, yes. Gas. Yes. Grapes of Wrath. That's their new band Great. name. Uh, oh boy. Okay, so we do have a conflict here at this point, though. So everything sounds gravy so far, right? Uh, except for the weird Menudo yeah. reference and the unfortunate name of Cleopatra. Everything sounds great. We do sure. have a problem. One of these critters. Sorry, Critters is a terrible name to call these kids, these monster children. <laughs> One of these kids has an issue with his parental permission slip. What's going on? Uh, well, it turns out that uh, Frankentike mm. is just, he's, he gets really depressed. Mm-hmm. He gets really sullen about the idea like, super of depressed, inviting. Like weirdly depressed for yeah. a kid's cartoon show. Yeah. You know, because he, he, he said, he, he's asked to invite his, like, his parents yeah. And his response is like, just simply like, don't hold your breath, man. Yeah, and then he's like, what do you think? I ripped up the permission slip and threw it away without ever showing it to him? Like he's saying this to Max, this teacher. And yeah. He's like, yeah, no, forget about it. Don't hold your breath or whatever. You know, like, and, and, and like, smash right into the next scene <laughs> yeah. when he's having, he's having lunch with Gil. Dude, I'm glad he had a buddy, and, though. I'm glad he had like a best friend that he could confide yeah. in. That was good. And so like, he's sitting there, he's, he's talking about it. And this is what I think was actually a strength in some of the writing for this show was that they got to what the crux of the problem was quickly. Like they weren't, they weren't playing coy as we've seen in other cartoons where they're just like, Oh, am I a thing or am I not a thing? Like what's really wrong with me? Oh, here's a twist that everybody fucking saw coming in this. They were honest about it. Cause Frank and Tyke is just like, look, I'm ashamed. Right. Like I'm ashamed of, and like to have somebody say that, like in a cartoon, like in the nineties, that kind of feels like there's some weight to it that yeah. sort of felt heavy. Yeah, for a cartoon monster yeah. kid to just be like, I have, I feel and experience shame. You don't find that yeah. very often. Yeah. Look, I know I am. I know on the exterior, I look like I'm a bunch of sutured together pieces of other people. Because but I, I am. Still, I am composed I of am. the corpses of children. <laughs> dead kids yeah. were assembled to make me. I am dead kids walking. Is essentially my character <laughs> of this kid show. But I still have shame inside. That's of right. I can still experience gut. shame about my father. <laughs> but you know, like he's sitting there, just kind of like poking at his food, and so Gil's just like, you know, he, he's making like some. This is this is sort of where the the joke aspect of this sort of steers away from what's actually happening, right. uh, because you know Frank and Tyke is just you know he he's sitting there kind of forking his food, not hungry. Gil is like. You know, you gonna eat? You gonna eat that? He's basically like me uh, throughout school. Like, you gonna eat that? Because if not, you gonna eat that? Definitely gonna eat that. Eat it. Yeah. yeah. And so we just get like one of those again. It, this is like the 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 
the speech pattern that is for Frank and Tyke is where he's just like, Surf's up, man. I'm too depressed to eat. And you're like, oh. Like, that's really sad. It's just delivered in an obnoxious way. Yeah. But and, I, and they, I love that. But, I love that Gil. So, like, at some point, um, Gil says to him, He's like, parents aren't pizza, little dude. You can't just order them up the way you want them. And that, like, triggers something in Frank and Tyke's brain. He's like, oh, actually. And this is where yeah. we jump to, like, one of our other uh, settings within this episode. Uh, real quick, before we move well, on, do you remember the soup of the day, by any chance? Oh, I don't. What was oh, it? Oh, it happened to be uh, cream of crawly flour. Ugh. Ugh. And there was a fly in the soup. <laughs> and he was a foot tall, and he screamed, help me. Yeah, well, we see him later on yeah, in the episode, too, which so is So it must fantastic. be like a running gag, but it was just like, oh, yeah. okay, all right, guys. So they broke up that, like, dead corpse kid feeling shame. They broke that up because that's a little dark. Broke it up with a food joke. Yeah. So they, they, they conclude this whole sort of lunch scene with a line that I actually thought was kind of fun, okay. too, where there is the parents aren't pizza comment from Gil, uh, to which Frank and Tyke responds, that incoherent statement gave me a great idea. <laughs> and you're just like... That's pretty funny. I missed that. Like, as a, as a kid, I don't think I would've, that would have registered for me. But as an adult, I was just like, oh, yeah, your stupidity makes sense. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I like that. Now, this is where we go to somewhere else in Midtown. Um, called the body shop the body shop so it's not a car place it's not a mechanic it's literally a place where you can buy body parts to put your own body together and it's relatively cheap yeah surprisingly I mean, cheap it seems frank and tyke whatever allowance he's on yeah. is able to afford him the opportunity to buy brains yeah which, an entire body plus honestly brain. which honestly brains don't feel like they would be a cheap thing yeah. like you know if you're if you're putting together like a computer, you're you know you're not gonna like skimp on your CPU. Like you're gonna spend a little bit of change and get something that's gonna be nice, right. tide you over for a little while. Yeah. You know, you want like a genius. You want a genius level CPU, right? Genius right. Level. You want something that's like you know like a like a Pentium like i7 or like whatever the next gen line would be from that. Right. You know, you want that. Like you want all the cores. Top of the top. You want everything firing. Basically, you want Watson inside of a human being. Yeah. That's dead. Yeah, and you're going to reanimate it. You also want like a deluxe model body. You don't want just some ratty, schlubby body that's going to fall apart on you. So, okay, we're talking genius level brain. We're talking deluxe model body. What do you think this is going to run the average Frankenstein? How much is it going to set them back? <laughs> it like, wasn't that much. It's $29.99. It's $29.99. 30 bucks to get a whole new body. My, one of my favorite one of my favorite parts of this scene was just the background because the background had all these boxes just stacked around and like bottles of yeah. brains but the background just had boxes that were labeled legs and butts <laughs> for whatever reason that, <laughs> that cracked me up i mean i'm sure as like a 10 year old kid i would be like that's a box of butts that's hilarious box of butts but it still works oh man <laughs> maybe so yeah go ahead Go ahead. Maybe we'll... I was just gonna say maybe my favorite part that came after that was when they're actually putting the body together back at uh, Frankenstein's okay. lab, because there was actually like something that happens. It was a nod back to both the original Frankenstein movie, um, I think it was James Whale Frankenstein, and um, the Mel Brooks Young Frankenstein, uh, which was just it was a fantastic callback to both of those like the Universal monster picks, whether it's a Are you talking original about the... one or the spoof. Yeah. You talk about the the line uh, uh, about like a mind. Uh, basically, no. Just when they drop the brain and like shatter it on the ground. 
Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So they have gotcha. this they have this genius brain, right? And like in the original and then in the Mel Brooks one they had um they had the best possible brain that they could get because it was going to like give their creation the best chance at being right. like a cultured individual and not being a monster that was just going to wreak havoc on the countryside. But they end up having to use basically like in the original, I think it was like a, a convict or a, a criminal's mind. And then famously right. in the young Frankenstein, um, I think Igor or Igor goes off to get it and he brings back an abnormal brain, which yeah. yeah, abnormal brain. So he brings that back to obviously the monsters, all kinds of fucked up. So same thing happens here. They have to go back and they have to get a different brain. What brain do they end oh, up getting? Uh, they get an agent brain. Which, that sounds cool. Like 007, yeah, like it does. secret agent, like uh, Jason Bourne. You should relax because oh. it's your standard 0013. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's the more advanced version. Which is a really weird thing to have somebody say, considering the fact that the show only went 13 episodes. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that they were just like, 13's an unlucky number. Let's put it in the monsters. Like 13 Mockingbird yep. Lane in the monsters. Uh, but it was really sad. They only went 13 episodes. So they get this jar that's labeled agent yeah. and they immediately assume that it has that it's a secret agent, <laughs> that it's somebody that's gonna be like crazy. And so they, they put the brain successfully in perfect fit, yeah. dropped right into the body that they have. Yep. That sockets uh, lined up, all good. You know, they, they get everything up. They have that like classic scene where it's like the raising of the cadaver yeah. with like the mad scientist who is actually a cadaver yeah. up to the top of the roof goes through he gets ready to hook everything up uh frank and tyke gets hit with a little bit of lightning and it's just like whoa like like, i'm I'm into this 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 tickles in funny places yeah yeah like oh you know i was actually waiting that felt like it would have been one of those moments where they could have made like an awful like that was a what a shocking relate they they could have had terrible and they didn't like we said they they're not so glad exactly exactly it felt like they kind of like it felt like they had the ability to throw like a terrible a punch. They were revelation. Just like, they was just like, guys, let's let's reel it back. Like, you know, we've we've got enough weird shit in this. Like, we don't need another terrible <laughs> yeah. pun, you know, to take over the show. And so they they get him up there. They shock they shock the body with this agent brain in it. Bring it back down. Uh, it's not like it hasn't it reanimated His yet. Watch so picking, Frank and Tyke does. Yeah. yeah. Frank and Tyke does the, the classic cardiac thump <laughs> yeah. where he's, he's just like, dead, I want my stand-in dad. dead children fists. Yeah. Oh, God. Keep thinking of that. It gets weirder and weirder. Yeah, yeah it gets weirder and weirder. You have to think that he's composed of parts of dead children. Uh, Keep that in mind, kids. So, you know, the, in, in classic cartoon fashion, the second the door to the lab swings shut and comes closed, suddenly... Like the body that's under that's on the slab begins to move. Right. What's the first and thing he does? Comes out. He pulls out a he cell pulls phone. Pulls out a cell phone. Nineteen ninety. This guy's a mover and shaker. Yeah, he's a he's a real he's a real uh, he's a real hustler. He's a real showbiz. He's a real, uh, he's a real showbiz type. Yeah, real uh, kid dynamite we got going on uh, over here. It turns out that he's like a Hawaiian shirt wearing. Well, not really Hawaiian. Just kind of weirdly plaid that is animated in a way that doesn't actually move which I loved. Yeah. I love that, that facet Creepy. of like low budget animation where the plaid doesn't move. Um, but he's like a Hollywood agent, but he's a Hollywood agent for like Godzilla and King Kong and like the bigger, literally bigger movie monsters. Um, so Ooh, he, cause I mean, Godzilla, he burns me one more time <laughs> back to work in scale. I was like, uh, that, all right, they do let's... sneak some terrible puns in every once in a while. Let's, 
they hit that and I was like, good. That was it. Let's, Let's move on. Just leave it where no it is. No more fucking Godzilla But the, the jokes, good thing guys. was that they used it for the guy that was kind of reprehensible. Like, everybody hated this guy. He wasn't actually Frankentike's dad. He just shows up and pretends to be because that's what Frankentike created him to be. Yeah. Now, let me, let me ask you this question, Shoot. Dave, because this was actually something I thought a lot about, okay. was that when there was the introduction of the shame portion of this from Frankentike, I just wanted to ask, what did you initially think like the like the reason for like his shame? Did you, why did yeah the reason for the shame it's, like what did you think because my brain went all over the oh place. mine was exactly what it ended up being so i don't want to give it away because it's like quote unquote spoiler okay because like first and foremost i thought he just like that his that like his dad because it is frankenstein yeah. like because in my brain i was just like oh it's just a bigger deader corpse <laughs> yeah you know, you think your corpse uh, of composed of adults yeah. and not dead children. Exactly. And he's just like decomposed or he's simply a dad that's not in the picture or he's a dad that's like really did not want to harvest smaller kids <laughs> and assemble a Frankentite. Yeah. And so there were like there were like a ton of places that I, I went. I mean, obviously, one of the obviously the direction that we end up with is is a thought that crossed okay, my right, mind. Right. Um, no, I didn't. I just know, assumed it, it was this, because because of the way that oh, they really? yeah because of the way that they set stuff up and in and in researching this like the going through the character des, uh, descriptions and stuff, it was like so and so is the only such and such at this place. So I just kind of assumed like ah, gotcha. that's probably why. It's kind of like a minority so I, issue. Yeah, I actually had part of it correct. Okay. The other part we can talk about yeah, once, during the actual. Uh, discussion yeah. but yeah there was there was definitely i was just like oh he could also be x but i did not really get what the profession was going to be oh, the, profession. the profession of his father ultimately i did not i did not nail that down in my brain yeah. so, let's, so let's keep that in, in mind here but basically at this point marty as he calls himself marty is Ugh. the newly <laughs> reanimated guy has like he walks into the classroom unannounced. He meets and greets with Max, but he's always on his phone talking to his clients. And Dave, I don't know if you're aware, but I was on Monster Star Search. <laughs> Were you? <laughs> I I met Dead McMahon. Oh boy, that was pretty bad. <laughs> now that that awful joke came up twice, and I was like, why? Why are we doing I think this? I skipped why, it the second why time. We... Uh, not to mention there are some there are a couple recycled moments yeah. in terms of dialogue, but there's also one in terms of animation. There is a recycled bit of animation of uh, stage fright actually playing oh, sure. yeah. on stage, and they got their fucking money's yes, worth they from did. this because it came it came up no less than five <laughs> times. Now, finally for the like, finally for the finale, they were like, "We're gonna splurge and spend a little bit more money on a new thing." But all of those times, like, and we're not kidding you, like, they are practicing at least a good three or four times. Yeah. They're rehearsing in this auditorium. A lot, and every single time, it is that same little bit of animation of them from sort of like the like the the balcony seats, right. kind of looking down onto the stage, right. so you can see all five monsters all at all once, together. all playing there, all playing their uh, instruments there. So we we get we get the dead McMahon stuff. We get this. Uh, we get some of these Godzilla right. jokes that they have that are on the inside. And then suddenly we get something that's really fun when suddenly Frank and Tyke realizes that his dad is not a secret agent right. and that his dad is, in fact, a Hollywood agent. Right. 
you get them poking fun at agents, which I think is always like a weird meta joke, you know, when we, we have these in kids' oh, cartoons. Because yeah. Because this is this is the writers just kind of looking at each other and they're just like uh-huh. <laughs> elbow, elbow, elbow. Look at us making fun of our agents. And they <laughs> can't do other and they're gonna make money game. off this. Exactly. Exactly. They're gonna take our ten percent cut. Yeah. They're on the phone ninety uh, percent of the time and take ten percent of the actor's money. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Uh, also, ten yeah. percent? I didn't really think that agents took ten percent. I thought it was I thought it was a little bit less. Depends on how good or something. shitty your agent is, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always feel like these numbers are negotiable. So. Oh, they certainly are. Anybody which tr- is a lesson out there. Anybody, trying to, stri- anybody <laughs> trying to strike it out in uh, Hollywood right now, uh, know, that you're a, know that you're a unique snowflake. People will pay a lot of money for talent. Our agent takes 110% and, of the profits of this show. So. And Dave, you're a bright, shining star. Thank you so much. Uh, I do love the one, the one little dig that Frank and Tyke gets in here. Um, as Marty's kind of like going through the band as they're rehearsing, and he's like pointing out all their, he's criticizing them. He's like, nah, you got to play this up, and you really got to, don't be afraid to beat on those skins. Don't be afraid to play it, you know, tickle the ivories, and you got to really lay that bass down. You got to get under that, like a foundation. He's basically telling everybody what they're doing wrong, how they could do better, why they're not going to be great enough, blah, blah, blah. And Frank and Tyke at this point is like, I've created a monster, man. So it's kind of like a cute little. It's bad, but it was a cute little, a cute little line for him. I thought it was okay. But then there's a flip. I'm, I'm, I like the flip. Oh, with how he kind of concludes this with uh, with Stoker. Uh, no, with with how Frankentike and Marty kind of start to get along. Even though Frankentike uh, okay. literally well, only created him to be like a stand-in dad who was showed up as a jerk, they kind of have this rapport that they start to build. The interesting thing is that for anybody who's ever been in a band, having somebody provide a little bit of, you know, criticism is, is, is never a bad sure. thing, you know, it, especially when you're starting out. And it seems like this, was, this is a high school band, so they were, you know, kind of trying to do the best that they could. Surprisingly, though, Marty is a pretty great drummer. Yeah. He's a great bass player, and he's great on the, uh, on the keyboard. So maybe listen to a couple things that he has yeah. to say. It felt weird because he's criticizing them, telling them why they're bad. But at the same time, he's sort of also showing them what they could have been <laughs> yeah. doing. I'm like, hey, guys, this is the only schooling in this episode. <laughs> it's the only education. Is you being, is the, exactly, is you being criticized by a, a dead Hollywood agent, a decomposing Hollywood who's agent. Who's not related to uh, anybody. Who's just a creepy person that's just there. He's like, it's, it's so, bad enough if like a dad comes in and just shows a bunch of kids like how shitty they are. But the fact that he's just like a dead nobody's dad that just comes back in and <laughs> tells everybody how shitty they are. Nobody wants yeah, to worry right? about it. And even Marty or even Max at this point is just like, oh, God, we got a showbiz dad. Like, I don't want to deal with this. This guy's a real jerk. Yeah. I think he literally calls him a nobody. He's like, I'm not going to shake your yeah. hand. You're a nobody. And he takes another call from Godzilla. But then after this, you know, if we've learned anything uh-huh. from 90s cartoons, and this could be a quintessential 90s cartoon for this fact alone, oh, yeah. you know what we get following this as they're building the rapport between Marty and Frankentike? Shop, shopping montage. Montage. Yeah. Cartoon montage. montage. Which is funny uh, because cartoon montage doesn't really save any money. Like, that's a thing you use in live action because you're like, we don't have money, so we're just going to montage. Like, that doesn't really work yeah. in cartoons. You still have to animate everything. Yeah. <laughs> but it was cool, though, because I like seeing, like, 
the rapport that was kind of built up between Frankentike and Marty. Because, like, Marty's taking him on a spending spree. He's, he's changing his image, giving him a whole new wardrobe. They go to an octopus massage, which was weird. Um, but at least they're, like, bonding together. Wait, right? that, that, was, that was what was weird? You didn't think that was weird? No, man. I would probably pay a lot of money to have an octopus like that. I think you can, do, I think you can that do that in Japan. Really? I'm going to assume. Hmm. You can do everything else in Japan. That, I would just imagine that what the result would be was that your body would be covered in those circles like from the previous Olympics that would look like cupping. <laughs> just like cupping marks, exactly. But no, I don't cup. I got an octopus massage. Yeah, why totally not? Normal. That's what I want. Totally normal. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong There's with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, guys, Whatever you want to get massaged with, everybody, let's just be cool with Look, that. Look, as, as right? long as you don't miss your band's last rehearsal before the talent show, Ooh. get massaged by whatever oh. aquatic creature you want. Also, I've, I, I love going and getting a massage. Yeah. I, am, I am a spa guy. Yeah. All right? I love every moment of that. You know what ruins uh, my spa day treatment more than anything? Is my fucking teacher walking <laughs> yeah. in the room what? and pulling me out of, from underneath? <laughs> out of, from underneath from underneath my safety table. blanket. Yeah, yeah. It's real I'm weird. trying to get relaxed on. You don't know if I came into this situation wearing underwear or not. I don't know. Yeah. It could be a weird. Day. I'm also I a 12 year old dead boy. So yeah. You know, there's a lot <laughs> of weird legal that, restrictions here. Uh, it feels like there's every legal every restriction legal that's going on in this. But like they, they get back and they, uh, they rehearse, and it turns out that Frankenteich is just like, fuck this shit. Uh, I'm the star of this That's show. Right. I can play however the hell I want because I'm fucking rad at this. Because guess what? It's Frankenteich and the stage fright at this right. point. Uh, let's take a quick aside because we do actually get to meet some of the other characters' uh, parents. So I love the fact that like Sid, remember the invisible kid who was pretending to be Elvis? Right. His parents are like Edith and, and Archie Bunker, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of a, a cute little... The, clearly the Honeymooners reference. It was like ha- half Honeymooners and, and then half... Um, and then half all, all the, family. the family. Exactly. Which was very weird because they kind of fluidly moved yeah. from like an Achi one of these days, yeah. Alice. But and I'm just like, what, you, just, you just jumped two shows very quickly. And I think it was probably the same were... guy doing the voice for both of them, to be honest with you. Oh. Because probably. then Rick Moranis was but, like, oh, your, your parents make a great impression or something like that. Yeah. I was like, wah, 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 wah. Uh, we have uh, we have Gil's parents. Uh, you got to do the joke because I have uh, a, I have a terrible story from my childhood I want to share with you after this. Okay. Yeah. He uh, Rick Moranis is uh, Max, our teacher friend, is offered uh, if he wants uh, some Fromunda pie. Fromunda pizza. Uh, Fromunda pizza, uh, and they're like he's like Fromunda. They're like yeah, Fromunda the pier, and it's got like all like crabs and like critters and like barnacles and stuff like that on top of it, and he politely excuses himself only to have Gil's dad just be like, great, all for me. And then just like with his weird lizard tongue, just like laps it up. And you're just like, what? Okay, great. (laughs) All right. So here's, I say this all very quickly because I want to get to the scarring story. You want to know my Fromunda story? Get into it. So when I was a kid, like little, little kid, like probably sub like under five, my stepdad, I know stepdad used to take me to the, uh, we'd go out to the grocery store and whatever and go shopping. He'd always take me over to the deli counter and he'd say, he'd tell me what to go ask the, the guy behind the deli counter. So I'd say, you know, wave up to the, the guy, and he'd be like, oh, yes, sir, what can I help you with? And I'd be like, I'd like a pound of Fromunda cheese. And the guy would kind of look at us and be like, I don't, could you say that again? I'd say, I'd like a pound of Fromunda cheese. And my dad would be cracking up. 
and I would have no clue what was going on. <laughs> it wasn't until years later that I asked him, I was like, hey, I remember we used to go to the deli all the time, and we'd always ask for Fermunda cheese, but we'd never get it. We'd always have to get something else. And he'd start laughing. He'd be like, I'd say, what was Fermunda cheese? And he'd be like, it's cheese from under my balls. I'd just be like, fuck <laughs> you, man. I was like four. Make me ask for Fremunda cheese in public? That's fucked up. It's funny for everybody else around, yeah. but for you, probably not sadly, the deli guy it's a... so much. I feel like mm. after how many times did you oh, ask God, for no, it? It was probably every time. Oh, dude, I'm sure he was probably cracking up by like the second. I really hope so. Or he was just so he was here's this Fremunda kid. Or he was literally wiping, you know, <laughs> our cheese supply oh. somewhere else. Uh, so there's a little behind the scenes story. Still, it's a lot of Gouda hitting a taint Ugh, at that point. Nice, that explains a lot of my health problems. All right, moving on. <laughs> All right, so at this point, yeah, uh, stage fright takes the stage, but they're being led by Frankentike, who's like super jazzed up and dressed up like a you know like a crazy rock star at this point. And all the rest of the kids have just basically said, you know what, if you're gonna act like yeah. this kind of a jerk, we don't want to be a part Fuck of this. It. Go do your own yeah. thing. Marty seizes the opportunity, which. You know, it kind of is an opportunity, yeah, and and it's just like you get to play a solo show. You Frankentike, you get to do this. Oh, you get to do your own solo. Do thing. your best, Marty McFly guitar solo across the exactly. stage. Exactly. That was bad. So, yeah, it was really bad, and everybody starts booing. Right, because it was actually everybody terrible. Starts... Like his guitar solo is really terrible. Yeah. yeah. I think it was really bad, and you know, to his point, like he's a kid, and he's concerned that he's never played by himself right. but I'm, I'm pretty sure that like you don't just pick up a guitar and start playing with a band like you have to initially practice and play with yourself so i was like all right well i see there's a flaw in this logic but still regardless moving on with it because lo and behold in the back of the audience somebody's loving this show somebody's having a great bravo, time bravo this is the best show i've ever heard who who dis i don't know some like big hair who dis new dad some, like big hair oh it's a new dad <laughs> Oh, guess what? It's Frankenstein's dad, and he's totally a human because he was a mad oh, scientist shit. who created him from dead kid parts. So that's where I think I screwed up on the profession. What do you mean? I thought that his dad was going to be a normal human, but like a boring job, like a uh, dentist, like an accountant or something. Yeah, uh, like he was going to be like that's why he was embarrassed and ashamed was that his dad was just like a regular, normal, non-monster person, but had like some type of like a boring-ass job. See, I just, I just assumed he was human, because like Frankentike was created. He doesn't have a mother. He was just created from dead kid parts. Um, sure. If you, it, you replay really, this... You're, you're hitting home, I know, I you're hitting home on the dead kid parts it. as much as Rick Moranis was just like, hey, kids, remember to get your parents to come. Yeah. Remember to get your parents. Super stoked about parents. meeting some parent monsters. Um, yeah, go back, oh, listen God. to this episode again, take a shot every time I say dead kid parts. There's another one. And, you're, and you'll become a dead you kid. You will become part. a dead kid, and we'll make you into parts. Um, oh, so, so there's a cute kind of reunion between the two of them at the end. Everybody kind of laughs for a second, but then it's like, not a big deal. Nobody really cares. So at this point, yeah. what's the moral of the story, do you think? I think the moral, I think the, I think the real moral yeah. of the story <laughs> the real one, is okay. that you have to, the real yeah. one, and not my, not my bullshit made-up yeah. ones, I think the real moral of the story is that you have to accept your family for who That's they are. That's a good. That's good. Uh, mine is uh, the lesson to be learned here is to be proud of your dad, even if he plays with corpses. That's my, <laughs> my takeaway. Or even if he sends like you to it. the deli and asks for Fermunda cheese. 
So any parents out there with little kids, uh, feel free to keep that one going. It'll please everyone. Dads, dads are challenging. Dads are jerks. No, I'm not a dad. Dave, I know you're a father, and you've got several little undead kids that are running around. They're not running so much. Uh, I mean, they're crawling. Mm. You gotta, you gotta crawl. Well, you gotta, su- you gotta suture on the they're legs tethered. first. Yeah, they're they can... all tethered. Okay. They're still tethered. We should very clearly state that Dave is not a father, and he has not tethered dead kids <laughs> somewhere in his house. But they are tethered. Just want to go. Just want to get down. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh too many disclaimers for this episode (laughs) Uh, but there is some there is kind of like a nice kind of wrap up to this episode and that's kind of what sean was mentioning earlier we finally get to see the entire band assembled together on stage and they're actually just like they play the they play the episode out and they play their song and we get to hear the more or less the whole thing and they play us out playing all those monster hits yeah get your monster hands in the air that one song that they had that they've rehearsed a billion times they should really be better. You guys no, should no be lie. better, like, kids. <laughs> get better. Get, get good. The end. I don't and think then... there was like any conclusion with Marty. We don't really see what happened to him. Uh, there was nothing from Max that really did anything. No, Marty, Marty gets that point where he's kind of confronted like with the yeah. dad and everything that's there. And he just kind of like, he wigs out and just sort of throws the purple cell phone that he's been right. holding like into the air. And he's like, whoa, got a skedaddle. He's like, uh, no, he picks up his phone and uh, evidently it's like his assistant. Um, that's on the other. One. He's like, "Yes, of course, the West Coast, first class, of course. I gotta get out of here." And then just throws the phone. <laughs> just and that's off. his exit. Exit. That's his Stage grand left. exit. You're just like, oh, and that's pretty much it. That just kind of wrapped up the show. So I mean, it's a nice little, a nice little lesson to end it with. Um, and it wasn't like overly, you know, it wasn't ham fisted. It wasn't overly done. It was kind of nice. It was fun. Right. What are your What yeah. are your general kind of including th- thought before we get into a second opinion and our recommendation. I mean, I didn't, I thought that it was nice that it wasn't over the top cheesy. Right. I did not feel like this cartoon set out to insult my intelligence with an overuse of ridiculous puns. And I will say this, I really enjoyed the fact that it felt like a lot of the characters were in this had a distinct or it had, they had their own voice right. in terms of what they were doing. Everybody seemed and felt unique within this universe yes i agree i mean i kind of i don't know that i'm like super compelled to go watch more but i would like to have seen some more from some of the characters to see if everybody kind of gets their fair story like if everybody gets a franken type type story uh or if they actually ever get an education rick moranis (laughs) is doing a very poor job as a teacher guys we should really make that clear should stick to the rivers and the lakes that he's used to god what? It's a 90s know, reference. A We're doing 90s, 90s stuff tonight. We're doing like, 90s stuff. Like if he was a health ed teacher and he told him not to get AIDS. It's essentially <laughs> what that amounted to. But we do have a second opinion, and this one comes from Insomniac Rod from Noctropolis. It's from back in 2008. His IMDb review of Gravedale High is titled Genuinely Cheesy But Somewhat Spooky. And he uses terrible punctuation at the end of it, which I'm not going to critique. Here's what Insomniac Rod has to say. Damn it, how could I forget about this sui genre cartoon show? I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it basically just means like unique, more specific cartoon show. I completely loved it because many of, uh, because of many unique aspects like the goofy but spooky opening song, the creepy but naive looking characters, and the situations that deal with beyond the grave things. Rick Moranis stars among plenty of monsters involving goblins, pumpkins, the Frankenstein monster, vampires, and more. All of them involved with extremely cheesy situations that somehow have a spooky feeling on them. 
Also, the jokes are pretty clever and witty. I don't know if the show... Yeah, that one can be... A lot of these points can be argued here, Rod. A lot of things you say don't make sense. I don't know if this show is oriented for children. Pretty sure it was because it was a kid's cartoon show on Saturday morning. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it could be enjoyed by a wider audience, including teenagers and young adults. Like, like I don't know, maybe me and Sean in our 30s. Please give it a chance to Gravedale High and have a blast with it. I never forgot about the funny and dark moments it gave me. Whoa, I want to get into those dark moments, what? Rod. Well, What's up with them dark moments? Dead kid parts. Yeah, dead kid yeah. parts. Coming right dead back. Circling the wagons on these dead kid parts. Well, I mean, it's kind of the crux of this whole episode we watched here, and it's, uh, yeah. it's haunting Rob. Ron? Ron? What was your name? Rod? <laughs> Rod. Haunting his nightmares. Insomniac Rod. Rod. All right, Insomniac, oh, Sean, do you recommend this one, or do you happen to give it the dip? Uh, not getting the okay. dip, uh, but I... I I don't know that I would recommend okay. it. I don't think that this is a show that like I'm going to actively seek out and watch more episodes. I think that you hit the nail on the head. I, I, I maybe would watch one more episode just to kind of see what the, the dynamic is between everybody, but I don't think this is something that I'm going to watch all 13 of these episodes. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. So. It's like I do love the Universal Monsters, so it's kind of cool to see right. a 90s kids cartoon take on them, even if it's sometimes irritating or sometimes a little silly. Um, won't get the dip, but I don't, I don't necessarily need to seek these out. I don't think you guys need to either. If it's something that'll kind of like tickle your nostalgia funny bone, um, yeah, you can, you can search them. Actually, uh, I want to thank, uh, I think it's Unknown Archive that just put these up on YouTube within like the last week, which is super serendipitous for us. So I uh, appreciate that. Perfect. Yeah. What were we going to say? I will say, I will say if you're somebody who's uh, actively interested in this, or if you're curious, I would say just Google the theme song and watch it on YouTube. And just sort of see the addictive earworm nature that is this uh, theme song intro, along with the three to five seconds of Rick Moranis just ruining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you'll be like, that alone is worth it. Like, ah, I do remember the show, and I don't need to watch it. Hmm. Fair I enough. All right, so that's gonna do it for our <sighs> first week for uh, Monster Man this month. Sean, buddy, what do you have going on for the next couple of weeks? Guys, I am in a show in Washington, D.C. I do live improv comedy with Washington Improv Theater. We have a bunch of shows that are coming up all throughout October and the beginning of November that is called POTUS. You can check out more about this and find tickets at witdc.org. Immediately following the election, November 9th to the 12th, I am a producer for the District Improv Festival, which brings improv comedy from across the country to the nation's capital. You can find out more information at districtimprov.org. And as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. David, what are you up to? Sean just got goosed by a ghost. Ghost. You've been ghosted. Been ghost, ghost. Uh, I'm just watching a lot of like American Horror Story, just kind of hanging out. Cool. Uh, you write for a bunch of really oh, cool Oh, yeah, sites. that stuff. Um, so since it is, you know, Halloween month, <laughs> October. We've actually got a lot of cool content on both Collider.com and Nerdist.com. Collider's just got a bunch of like fun TV and movie stuff that's tied into uh, the Halloween theme. And then for Nerdist, I'm actually writing a series of spooky science articles that you guys can check out over there. So if you ever want to know like what would happen if the Earth stopped revolving around the sun, you can check that out. Or if you ever want to know like what insects could possibly turn you into a zombie slave, uh, you can find that over at Nerdist too. Nice. Yeah, good fun stuff. Or Dave also writes some... like easily uh some of my favorite uh buzzfeed style articles for nerdist like 
15 tips on how to steal kids from a graveyard yeah. or 21 tips on how to assemble all those kids or 15 different disciplinary techniques to use for your zombie child. Yeah, you can search all those. Hun- my- 101 methods to tether. No, I was going to say my favorite is 101 methods to tether because that was like the one that really gave me the hardest time. Uh, you got to be careful. Yeah. Those teeth are still freaking sharp and they will kill you and turn you into a zombie. So you need to be careful out oh. there. Just be smart about it. If you're going to tether dead kids that are resurrected in your like dirt basement, just be smart about it. It's hot. It's yeah. it's October, guys. Things get a little weird and squirrely. Use your out. head. Use your head. Come on. Use your head. One head. tips on Nerdist.com. You can actually head on over to DaveCrumbor.com as well. I do have a few spooky stories that are going to be posting up there. Um, and there's also in November going to be a new kind of event based around a, a new book that I'm writing that will hopefully be up and, and live for you guys in November. Uh, so keep an eye yeah. out on that. It's not going to be horror related. It's going to be kind of more of like a fast paced thriller with sort of a scientific edge to it. So if you guys are into that, Great. go over to davetrumbore.com. As for Saturday Morning Cartoons, you can find out more about us on our website, saturdaymorningcartoons.com. Remember, that's morning with a U as befitting our Halloween theme. You can also find us on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Check us out on our Facebook page. You guys have been fantastic over there. Keep the conversations going. We love actually chatting with you guys. So feel free to drop comments, whether it's just to say, hey, I remember the show, or yo, thanks for covering the show, or man, Rick Moranis is a terrible singer, whatever you want send us your comments over there you can also follow along on youtube where we post the uh, video links for this each and every week you can also download the free audio podcast each and every week through itunes stitcher and google play and uh, for all the aforementioned social media sites if you guys could give us either a subscription a like click a favorite or whatever you need to do at any of those it would really help us out so we do appreciate it if you have any suggestions or comments for future episodes send us an email saturdaymorningcartoons at gmail.com Guess what? We got more Monster Madness Month coming up. Sean, buddy, what's on tap for next week? Oh man, we've got a we've got an interesting one because I know that this is one that you've never watched. Nope. Two but for two. I distinctly remember watching some of this. We are going to be getting into Inhumanoids with very special guest Jamal. Oh Newman. man, I can't wait. We'll be returning to the show. Do you know show. if he's watched it? I don't think he's watched it. I don't think it. he's watched I'm, it. I can, I can guarantee he has not watched this. <laughs> I love it when he hasn't, and though, he's because gonna be, he's going to be... <laughs> he, he has the best reactions to stuff. I think we're pretty good, but he has the best reaction. No pressure, Jamal. Uh, he's he's going to get real frustrated. Yeah. Well, as we do each and every week. <laughs> so thank you guys for joining us for the first week of Monster Madness Month and Gravedale High. We hope to see you again next week. Again, thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out. <laughs>